This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Welcome back. The Masters underway at Augusta National. I'm Taz. Jim's here with me. Just a beautiful day for some golf, Jim. Indeed, sun is out, birds are chirping, history will be made. Let's go to the booth and check in with former Canadian Tour champ and world-class ball striker, Alan McLean. Alan, how are you on this fine day? I am well, Taz. Jim, how are you? (laughs) I just wanted to see if he'd whisper. (laughs) Alan McLean, uh, we we had to get you on. I mean, the the golf's biggest weekend, the Masters, it's underway right now down there in Augusta, Georgia. And you just got back from Augusta National. You were there earlier in the week. I did. I, I went for a little visit. You know, uh, my little, uh, I've never been, you know, as a professional golfer, it's one of those places that uh, I suppose, well, should I say as a golfer, uh, uh, you would want to go visit, but uh, tickets are like hen's teeth. So when I got one, um, I thought I would uh, attend. Yeah, you went down there. You said security was pretty tight to get in and out, right? Yeah, you know, um, I you always see these pictures at Augusta and it's 18 and you see this ranch style clubhouse. And I suppose the thing that I took away from it was the infrastructure that's, that's available around the premises. There's so much more that behind the scenes that you never see, you never see the fan experience and what it's like behind the scenes. There's so much built up around there. Um, uh, you know, lots of, uh, concessions, uh, shops, uh, you know, it's, it's places to eat and picnic out. It's, it's, it really is much, much bigger than you see on TV. And uh, it's a well-oiled machine. I can tell you, I felt like a sheep. You ushered here, there, don't do this, don't do that, move here. You know, there's so many volunteers or marshals or uh, officials that you, you, you really are kept in check. Um, you know, and getting into the premises, it's um, you know, there's two gates, and then it's like airport security. You you take the stuff out your pockets, you go through the the metal scanner. You know, lot phones. Um, you know, it's uh, it is a well oiled machine. But uh, the only reason they can do that is because they have uh, the masters every year. They know it's coming back there, so they have built all this infrastructure uh, for the fans and for the fan experience. And it's uh, truly uh, is a well oiled machine. Tell Jim how cheap the uh, the sandwiches and the beers are at the Masters. Um, well, first of all, I like the fact that uh, we got there. We got through the gates at about 7.30, got to the first concession at about 7.45. You know, I've never missed a meal in my life. And uh, the sandwiches were $1.50, and they were selling beers. Uh, Jim, you would have loved it. That early in the morning, they're already selling what? beers. How much were the beers, yeah. though? I picked up a beer. I thought it was coffee. I felt. Uh, I thought it was a coffee. Picked it up and I realized it was beer. And I had a dilemma. It was brief, but then I went for the coffee. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> you were there as a fan. Uh, obviously, the dream of any golfer is to play Augusta National one day. When you're there, looking at the course, like the the shape of the greens, the fairways, is it next level or is it, pardon the pun, par for the course? Well, you know, I, it's not like I, 
I know every hole by memory, and not, not not because I played it, just because I've watched the telecast for so many years. And I, I, I think the thing that I took away from the golf course itself was it's it's uniform. You know, all the grass, whether it be rough or fairway, is uniform. It's it's obviously green, but there's no blemish. Everything is is just perfect. Um, but the the the, the you know, when, when you listen to the telecast, people say, oh, this is really, really uphill. I think Canada's got golf courses that have more uh, gradient changes than they do at Augusta. Um, and I also, you know, you often listen to like, um, like hole number nine, the green. Oh, if you're above the hole, this is going to be a terrifically difficult putt. You know, this is a huge undulation. You look at it and it's not, as bad as you think it is, but hmm. where any slope is accentuated is in the speed of the green. So if, yes, if you're above the hole, you can see the gradient is slightly downhill, but because it's so quick, it really does add that level of difficulty to the putt. So, you know, my what I'm hearing was, Alan McLean say here is that it doesn't look like it's that hard and he thinks he can win the <laughs> masters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, everything's simple in golf. When you watch it, it's the most simple game in the in the world. I listen to my dad every time I talk to him. It's like, just hit the ball down the middle, hit it on the green, and two putts, and then away you go. Yeah, you know, uh, it's doing it's it that is the problem. It's the Masters. Underway now. We are joined by our friend and former Canadian Tour champ, Alan McLean. Alan, you just got back. You were down as a fan at Augusta National earlier in the week. The place must have been a buzz with the news about Tiger Woods announcing that he is going to play the Masters this weekend. I, I think golf was uh, the, the golfing world was uh, a buzz. Never mind just at the at the Masters um, on Tuesday. I couldn't believe that people got there at like uh, seven o'clock in the morning. It, it was just masses, and unfortunately, we didn't get to see him. He wasn't on the practice range, and uh, before eleven o'clock, uh, his name wasn't uh, on the board, so we didn't get to see him. But uh, as a golfer, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how uh, Tiger does this week. Um, you know, I, I think realistically, um, I, I don't know if he can hold physically. Uh, he looked like he had quite a substantial limp watching yesterday's telecast, but uh, I, I think four days walking around that golf course will be uh, an ask. But by all accounts, or everything I'm reading, he's playing well. I just think that in a golf swing, uh, the most important thing in a golf swing is is being able to stay stable, and 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 you need your legs. So um, I hope he plays well. I'd love to see him compete. Uh, I just you know. I think deep down inside, it just might be one step too far right now. Do you think he makes the cut? I do. I, I, I think, uh, you know, this will come home, uh, you know, maybe in round, uh, late round three, four. It all comes down to how he recoups after every day. So, I mean, if he gets in the hunt, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it gets into the night uh, where he's trying to um, get, get, treatment and 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 do the icing and everything else I, I just don't know how quickly he can recover okay alan give us your top five for masters weekend who do you like on the uh, leaderboard well i think uh you know if you go back to it, it, all the results recently i think rom's going to be up there 
Um, I, I think uh, Justin Thomas is playing well again. Um, and then um, I like Cameron Smith, the Australian who recently won the Players' Championship. Um, and then I like two, not really outsiders, but not necessarily, uh, um, you know, uh, common names, but Sam Burns. Um, I know he won a couple of tournaments this year. And I like our Canadian, uh, Corey Connors. Uh, he's playing well and, and he seems to be putting well and I think uh, he's a very good iron player so things uh, should suit his game yeah Con- didn't he finish top 10 last year Connors um, now you're asking me a good question Taz I'm not sure well, I know but he I did know really that- well last year yeah. I was surprised because I was doing some uh, betting you know putting a couple bucks on, on some guys last night and I was surprised that uh, Connors odds were were pretty high he was paying out pretty big so it would be great to see, especially since I got five bucks on him to win. Oh, <laughs> retirement city. <laughs> we were thinking, we, me and my buddy, we were, we were talking last night. We are like, should we put five bucks on Mike Weir just in case? Because he had some massive payout odds. Connor's yeah, placed I, I, eighth last year, I, I, Taz. Connor's placed eight. Yeah, he yeah. was in the top ten last year. Yeah, he's a ball striker. He, you know, and this is what the, car, the course demands. Uh, for Corey, it comes down to putting. He's got every other attribute to his game that uh, would make him, uh, you know, compete. Uh, you just need to get the ball in the hole. So, you know, I watched him at the match play, and he was putting really, really well. And those greens were quick and undulating. So I think it will uh, transfer well to Augusta. And uh, by his own admission, he's playing well. So I think uh, he would be not necessarily a dark horse, but he's not, uh, you know, uh, one of the big names. So uh, that's my kind of outside pick to do well this week. Awesome. Well, it's always fun to cheer for the Canadian guy, too. Alan McLean, thank you so much for joining us. Can we get you on Monday? We'll do a recap. Yeah. And you know what? I think next year, between you, me, and Jim, we should have a little five-man draft and and put, you know, a little uh, wager on on the Masters. Now we're talking... Loser. Let's bet on other golfers and not ourselves, Taz. Loser has to buy egg salad sandwiches at Augusta National. How's that sound? It sounds great. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. It is Thursday, Throwback Thursday. Usually when you think Throwback Thursday, people are posting pictures of fun times they've had in the past. But Google uh, posted an article about things that we were Googling when the pandemic first hit yesterday so this is google trends they uh they posted a bunch of stuff and man i know we're all trying to move on but i think it's important to remember this kind of stuff remember at the start of the pandemic when we all thought the world was going to end because we'd run out of toilet paper oh yeah yeah it's just amazing those simplest things in life become the most vital you know when people are scared when people were searching for things about shortages at the start of the pandemic, toilet paper shortage was at the top of the list, meat shortage, hand sanitizer shortage, and Nintendo Switch shortage. <laughs> now, which one of those Priorities. things is not a priority? Exactly. Oh, man, it's terrible when you have, you're so out of luck, you got to start wiping your butt with Nintendo Switches. <laughs> The top should I searches were, should I buy stocks now? <laughs> Spoiler alert, you should have. Should really, I, yeah, when things were in that dip. Should I wear a mask? Should I get tested for coronavirus were the top should I searches. Man, yeah. remember when we were calling it coronavirus for like four months? The top is it safe searches. 
Is it safe to fly? Is it safe to travel to Florida? That might still be a good question to ask yourself. Is it, is it safe to travel to Mexico? Is it safe to go to the grocery store? Is it safe to order takeout? These are all searches, the top searches at the start of the pandemic, according to Google Trends. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, all-time high searches in March uh, two years ago. Shelter in place, social distancing, pandemic lockdown, rubbing alcohol, and toilet paper. All were most searched at the start of the pandemic. Toilet paper again. Hmm. Binge-watching jigsaw puzzle, stimulus check, furlough, <laughs> good news... And what day is it also hit an all-time high? Wow. You know society is sad when they're Googling, give me some good news and what day is it? I don't even care what news. It needs to be good. And searches that were at an all-time low when the pandemic broke out. <laughs> okay. Party. Yeah. Happy hour. Huh. Movie theater. And traffic. Hmm. There, yeah, that was traffic was sick for a while. It was pretty that sweet. Was, that was one cool deal. Yeah, we were on the air, and and I know that we talked to a lot of truck drivers who didn't have an issue with everyone else staying at home. Mm-hmm. They were loving their lives, getting where they needed to be real fast. There you go, some Google trends from a couple years ago. Now let's move on. Completely forget that it ever happened, right? <laughs> oh wait, it's still going on. Damn what? it! This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Screen time. It's a big concern. For most parents out there, well, there's a teenager in Chicago whose screen time has become a news story. The reason is this teenager is a gorilla. <laughs> Zookeepers okay. at Chicago's Lincoln Park Zoo are concerned about a mare, a teenage gorilla who is obsessed with looking at visitors' phones through the glass of her enclosement. Hmm. I mean, what else are you going to look at? I never even thought about that. But yeah, a monkey probably understand. My dogs will watch the TV. A gorilla probably will. The gorilla will sit by the glass. Guests will show pictures and videos, including selfies, uh, family photos, pet videos, even footage of the gorilla. And the zookeepers are concerned that the gorilla is becoming antisocial and distracted. For example, last week, another teenage gorilla rushed at him in a show of aggression, and the screen time gorilla didn't even notice. It's too distracted by the cell phone. (laughs) Dislike. Yeah. So they've now installed a rope to keep visitors and their phones a few feet away from the glass. They've put up some signs, and they hope this will limit the gorilla's screen time. So he plays and interacts more with other gorillas. I, I'm going through the same thing at home. Maybe uh, putting up some oh, ropes yeah. and signs is necessary <laughs> in the Taz household. My five-year-old, all he wants to do is, Daddy, can I play games on your phone? Daddy, can I watch YouTube? And he gets he gets agitated if I if I don't let him do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I myself am addicted to screens. I know I've got a problem, and I knew what I was like when I was a little kid, you know, even with just uh, original Nintendo. Like, my parents would have to hide the controllers, and all you were doing was playing Super Mario 1. There wasn't much to it. Uh-huh. Now you have every game at your fingertips, including iPads, phones, every movie at your fingertips. You know, it's it's crazy. It'd be hard out there for a kid, but I guess it does come down to the parents. 
Hard out there for a kid and hard out there for a gorilla. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, Jim. Yeah, this is from globalnews.ca. Uh, Author of How to Murder Your Husband, now on trial for husband's murder. Yikes. So she wrote a book called How to Murder Your Husband. Yeah, self-published. She's mm-hmm. not an accomplished writer by any stretch of the imagination. So she did write this book, but she had to self-publish it. For we- Weirdly enough, nobody wanted to uh, to give her any money for it. How did she murder her husband? She shot him in the chest. Okay. Must have been a short book. <laughs> More of a pamphlet, really. Chapter one. <laughs> Shoot him in the chest. Get a gun. Chapter two. Use it. Like you're not even going to create some sort of elaborate tri- uh, trip wire to make him fall down the stairs yeah. or poison him or something. Make it look like a uh, guy's moving a piano and they accidentally dropped it from the second story on his Classic. head. You know? Never suspect a life. Uh, There's so many ways. What was, so many ways. What was the name of the book again that she wrote? How to Murder Your Husband. Well, there you go. The book's not called How to Get Away with Murdering Your Husband. It's just how <laughs> to do it. book deal. <laughs> yeah, you want to get away with it, you got to buy the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> how to Go to Prison After Murdering Your Husband. She's currently in the works. What did the uh, husband think when she first wrote that book? Like, was he talk about red flags in your relationship? Your wife self publishes a book called How to Murder Your Husband, and you stick around. But it's it's almost so obvious. It's like it can never happen. I think every husband already, regardless of whether the wife has written a book or not about it, every husband kind of thinks their wife might murder them (laughs) to a certain extent. When it comes, because that's always who it is, you know, 99% of the time, it's the spouse of the who's ever been murdered. Yeah. Doesn't and you know what? If my, if my wife murdered me, I'd kind of get it. <laughs> Doesn't she occasionally say things, you know, every once in a while I'll be watching a show with my fiance and she'll be like, you don't poison him with antifreeze because the crystals will show up in his kidneys in the autopsy. Uh, what? How yeah, do you know this? You're really paying attention when we're watching Dateline together, Sarah. <laughs> I don't, why are you taking notes? Yeah, exactly. Why you do you have a, a notepad out? This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Taz and Jim, Thursday, April the 7th, 2022, also known as National Beer Day. And here to help us celebrate is Jim Kelly's country music alter ego, Mr. Uncle Bottom. <laughs> Well, when I was a lad, just barely near to being a man, I had a beer. It hit my lips and it just came clear that I was a man that'd like a beer. Case of beer in my rear view mirror as I picked her up in my pickup beer. I said beer, she said beer, enough small beer, let's beer the beer. Then a beard all over her double beers, she looked up to me all covered in beer. I got down on one beer, and I said beer, will you be my beer? And beer said beer. And beer, I would just like to say a beer. And it goes beer, 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 beer. <laughs> that basically sums up modern country music, Jim. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I wrote that like four or five years ago when I noticed like every Canadian country song seemed to be about be- It's always been a country staple, but for whatever reason, like country music turned into like party music in the last less than a decade. Yeah, every song had to, had to shout out beer. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's still the, trend the case. Continues. The yeah. trend continues. I just look at the top 10 Billboard charts here for uh, for country music here. Uh, number 10, Wasted on You by Morgan Wallen. Number 9, uh, Dirks Bentley, Beers on Me. Number 8, Drunk by L. King and Miranda Lambert. Number 6, Walker Hayes, A.A. Is the, is the gamut of alcoholism here on the Billboard Top 10 country charts. Well, it is National Beer Day. So if you are going to celebrate, make sure you do it responsibly. We got some interesting facts here. Uh, beer is the number one drink that is ordered at bars. Not even close. 47% of people say it's their go-to drink. Number two, margaritas at hmm. 22%. Then wine, Cosmos, and gin and tonics. All right. Uh, there is a legitimate fear of having an empty beer glass in front of you, and it's got its own word. Sensosilicophobia. So if anyone accuses you of having a drinking problem, you can say, I'm not an alcoholic. I just have sensosilicophobia. <laughs> fear of being sober. <laughs> <laughs> fear of an empty beer glass. And here's a study. Ask people, how early is too early to have your first beer of the day? And the consensus was, wait until you're done work. <laughs> that, That's, you know, because time is relative. Yeah, finish work, and then it's okay to have a beer. Uh, they also asked people, on the weekend, when is it okay to start drinking beer? Most common answer was noon. Hmm. Yeah, I would say 11. You know, <laughs> that's when the bars used to open. Now, yeah. you can get a beer at nine o'clock in the morning. So, and sometimes, yeah, yeah. But like, if you're if you're up early on a Saturday morning and you've already, you know, let's say eight o'clock, you start tackling stuff in the backyard by eleven a.m. You know, right. you deserve a beer as long as you don't expect to get anything done around three or four in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. If you have a uh, noon gap in time for a little nap, then you're fine. <laughs> you don't have to drive your kids anywhere. Happy National Beer Day, everybody. My love for beer will remain sincere. And beer, I would just like to say a beer. And it goes beer, 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 beer. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.